hey, before this episode starts, I just wanted to share with you um, an example of collaboration that happened within my professional network. It was um, me actually doing an interview similar to this with James um, from Corporate Training Solutions Australia. Um, and um, I was in the process of um, creating content on Facebook. And so anyway, um, long story short, after we did the interview and we had a couple of more chats, uh, James um, and Yolanda from Corporate Training Solutions Australia allowed me to use their um, paid Zoom business account, which actually allows me to um, live stream that to Facebook, which you can't do for free. So, um, you know, it came about because I was creating content and I was being proactive and seeking out uh, professional relationships, but um, they could actually see an, a, an opportunity, I guess, to collaborate as well. So Corporate Training Solutions Australia provide professional um, or personal development courses rather and everyday end user software skills. Definitely reach out to them. Um, info at cts-training.com.au. Hey, episode uh, five, uh, chatting with a very good friend of mine, Jason Ross, who we've known each other for about six years um, on a professional basis. Um, he's probably one of the best um, executioners around building uh, relationships. Um, and what I mean by that is he's very intentional, very deliberate with doing that by... Um, understanding uh, who people are um, and how to strategically make introductions for them. Now, um, that that doesn't mean that he he's this person that runs around and tries to help people. I think the thing that I like about him he's very strategic about too is he only works with people he likes and actually who he chooses to. Yeah, he's intentional about that and who he wants to work with. So um, it allows him to... Um, be in control of you know what he's trying to achieve out of things while at the same time helping other people so very strategic very um just well balanced and centered human being um i've considered him a mentor of mine for um close to six years now a very good friend so hope you really enjoy this um we had some good good laughs and good chats so um i'll let you get straight into it yo Good afternoon, it's Malaki here again. Uh, I have another guest, uh, which I'll introduce in a sec, Jason Ross. Um, we've known each other for close to six years now. Um, we'll explain a little bit more of that in a sec, but a uh, bit of background, uh, JR, so he's an architect by passion. Um, and has been for the past 20 years. He runs a boutique firm um, while also being a business partner with Supply Clusters, which is a completely different industry. Um, keen to hear more about that. Um, and one of the things I love about Jace is uh, he's been very deliberate with focusing on uh, building relationships uh, in a professional business sense, which I personally um, benefited from. Um, and so keen to hear a lot more about that. Uh, but how are you going this morning, JR? I'm great. I'm great, Mikey. Thanks for having me on your, your little show, podcast, <laughs> video thing. No worries, mate. I, I like the uh, background there. It's uh, I like it. yeah. five times better than mine. Yeah. Oh, it's kind of like yours, only not, not framed. Just need yeah. a frame in there. No, it's great. It's nice and quiet where I am. So, um, I guess we've known each other for a while now, and uh, we have. it's uh, it's been a great journey personally for me. Um, how, how, I guess back to the beginnings, like how did we meet? Uh, you know, how did our professional relationship develop? Um, and yeah. up until this point, how have we kept in contact? 
Well, uh, we met through a mutual connection uh, almost six, seven years ago. Um, we just hit it off. We have no relationship in terms of professional backgrounds or anything like that. It was just because we like each other, similar values. Certainly just made sense to continue a conversation we had for seven years. So obviously we've still got things to talk about and uh, things in common, which is a bonus. So yeah, so it was mutual contact, which is the way that most strong, long-standing relationships I've found kick away. So good. Yeah, I mean, and even like in this period and during this time where the current state of affairs limits uh, the face-to-face -face interaction. Um, obviously, social media and LinkedIn, um, other platforms can allow that. But how, how important, like, I was just thinking about your comment, like, you know, seven years ago when we didn't even know each other, right, um, from a bar of soap, like, how much yep. more important or how, um, I guess you could say, easier could it be now to, to develop relationships like that for anyone who's watching? Like, might be a bit difficult for people to step out there and either reach out to people, but... Um, in this climate, like it would, it would probably serve people um, a lot better. Would you think? Yeah, yeah. I think, I think from my point of view, in terms of building relationships, it's always been a priority. It's a little bit more difficult now, obviously, but being more difficult doesn't mean it's impossible. Yeah, it certainly means you need to be creative about it. So doing this sort of stuff and just having conversations, it might take a little while longer because you can't spend time on the phone um, yeah. if you want to get to know someone it's always going to take time and just I, I find now it's just more about taking more time yep uh, to, to get to know people and build, build a bit of trust but it's vital regardless I don't think you're going to get through this next period unless you've got good relationships and they all make sense to do it so I love that yeah and with, with regards to LinkedIn you've been a, a very experienced user you've been using it for probably close to a decade now or when it first yeah, started yeah for um, sure yeah, yeah the LinkedIn, LinkedIn, I started using because it was just a great opportunity to find people that were relevant. Um, you could read profiles, you could understand whether they used the platform fairly quickly. Um, and if there was an alignment, you could move it, move it offline. Um, I don't use it to market particularly. Um, I don't sell stuff online. I use it really as an opportunity to find people to have better conversations. Yeah. Um, and then if there's opportunity to do stuff, then, then we do it there. But LinkedIn is a, yeah, has been my primary platform just because it's reasonably professional. Yeah. Um, you can get a lot of insight into people and who they are and who they connect to, what they put in their profile about their passions and their backgrounds. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so it's a, it's a really good platform, but it is still only digital. And my primary focus for using that was always just find people, not necessarily try to build a relationship on the platforms yes. always been to get in touch with people and sit down and have a conversation whether it be over a coffee or or in more recent times try to do it around events because it's a bit more uh rational to use it in terms of time because people just get busier and busy people are good people so yeah no, I, lo I love that insight and um would you have any tips for someone who's potentially watching this either from my network or yours if they're just starting out on LinkedIn, I can only imagine like platforms are now being flooded with people because it's convenient to meet through these platforms. Someone who's just starting out with a LinkedIn platform, um, how would they go about um, using the platform for their purposes? Like, would you have like yeah. a top list of like 
top two things to do, top two things not to do. Not to do. Yeah. These weren't on our, these, this is a curveball too, by the way. I haven't put these on our questions, so I'm totally putting you on the spot. Yeah, we're winging it now. Like, you've <laughs> no prep for these ones. But um, uh, I guess for, for LinkedIn, the, the common philosophy for most people on LinkedIn is putting content on because people still believe that content is king. I don't agree with it. I believe content is only relevant to the people who are planning on reading it and they're the people who know who you are. Um, a lot of it to do because there's a lot of content on there and the feed just moves so quickly that you can't really stay front of mind for people. You've got to do it a lot, which means you've got to invest a lot of time, which means you're not working. So you've got to find a balance for it. It's not, it just has to be done for purpose. So content is not the real thing for me. Um, I think a lot of people immediately jump to the conclusion that once you're a connection on LinkedIn, you're best friends and you can sell stuff. Um, yeah. It's like, hey, would you like to connect? Oh, by the way, I've got a great widget. Would you like to buy it? It's like, mate, we haven't even talked. <laughs> um, I think that is that is an interesting approach. I understand it. It's a sales numbers game, but it really affects um, really affects how people perceive who you are. Uh, and right now, people who do it, marketing in general or trying to pitch stuff, I think they're finding it very difficult because people are not interested in you selling them stuff. They're more interested in how you can contribute or collaborate in the time. So mm. I think the best thing that people can do is genuinely have a conversation with no expectations. And it takes a little bit of time. Um, but I always reach out and say, you know, it was a purpose. So if you're purposeful and deliberate and your intentions are to meet and actually have a conversation to see what happens, then you're going to do far better than just using it as a mailing list or a cold list or a spamming opportunity for a newsletter or, you know, the next best event that you are planning. So that's kind of my tips. I mean, there's plenty of other stuff to do well and and use the platform and there's other widgets to use in there, but I just keep it really simple. Yeah. Just talk to people. Very encouraging, I think, for anyone who hasn't used a platform before that, um, yeah, you can, from what I'm hearing, is you can be authentic. Like, you know, it's just like oh, yeah. you can create sort of a humanistic uh, relationship over a digital platform. So that's really good. I, yep. I like hearing those tips. Yeah. It's like, it's like walking into a party and then starting to sell stuff to people you've only just met in someone else's party. Like, you know, you're the guest and you're wandering around shoving your card in someone's face and trying to sell your widget before even having built a relationship with someone else's guest. So it's, 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 yeah, I find it weird that people, but people are weird on social media generally. So it, it doesn't surprise me anymore. But uh, yeah. Very good tips, Matt. I love that. <laughs> That's all right. Take that. <laughs> So changing gears a little bit um, with regards to architecture and supply clusters, um, what's, uh, feel free to comment in either of those sections, how are you adjusting to this new norm? Uh, things are quieter, naturally, um, but I've been, uh, I've been working from home offsite uh, for myself for almost seven years now wow. um, I semi-retired when I was 35 so I had the advantage of ejecting from corporate architecture uh, because I built other other businesses alongside architecture um, I'm incredibly passionate about what I do in that field yeah and doing it for money was just burning me out I never really um, felt the need to pursue it as a career a corporate career and climbing the ladder so I just look for other options uh, in business as an in income and because of that, I got to semi-retire and, and really just enjoy it. And so for me, the new norm has always been the norm for the last seven years. It's been the right. Yeah. So the idea of communicating and meeting people and 
um, you know, choosing my own um, timetable. Yeah. It was it was tougher dusting at the start, like like most people are finding it at the moment. I think is the discipline to do the work, um, segregate the work, and knowing when to stop. Because I find I work longer if I get in the in the flow of work. I, I actually work longer hours um, if if there's stuff to do. So is a real. You've just got to find a not a balance. You've just got to find a discipline. Uh, balance is a funny thing. You don't have a balance when you work from home. You do what comes up when it needs to be, but if you're deliberate about it, and deliberate about your time, I, I use a calendar and a schedule really heavily. So I book obviously this sort of stuff in because I book it in and make sure and I book in phone calls, even if it's ring me anytime, I book it in. Um, and that way it keeps it really clear when to start, when to stop, when I've got to get onto other stuff because you can get uh, distracted yeah. uh, quite easily. There's, there's the fridge, there's, you've got to make yourself a cup of coffee, you know, there's all that stuff when you're working for yourself and working at home. So, yeah. So it's, for me, the new norm is still the norm. Yeah. Um, work in the general economy, it's just slower. Mm -hmm. But I think the advantage for me is I've got a couple of lions in the fire um, and a couple of businesses that are operating, which certainly gives me a hell of a lot more security. And I'm so glad I set that up a long time ago. But, but you know, the philosophy of always the best time to, to plant a tree is now. Uh, it was ideally yesterday if you could have done it. But if you, even now, I'm finding people who are more and more proactive in, you know, gaming to the new norm because the whole crazy pandemic shutdown stuff will end. But I find people who are proactively thinking, well, it's going to end. We need to be prepared for the end and, and some semblance of growth. I think they're going to do the best because everyone else is just going to get caught with their pants down. So, yeah, the new norm is really interesting for most people. I'm finding it interesting watching other people who find it interesting. That's, that's where, where it is for me. Yeah, no, I, uh, I'm a tad excited as well to see where everything lands when the dust settles. Um, yeah. I, I like what you're saying about um, being able to set up um, yourself and be in control of your own timetable um, and having those opportunities to do that. So um, just out of curiosity, like how did you set up um, those different ventures? So obviously, you know, you're, you love architecture, but then there was this other venture with supply customers that came about. Like, from yeah. what I know about it, because I know you personally, you were very intentional about that. Like, how did that um, process come about in terms, like, you weren't just sitting there and it happened. Like, you had to put some um, pedal to the metal, I guess you could say, yeah. um, in terms of building relationships and collaboration. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about how that came about. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah okay. Um, well, architecture is architecture. They build buildings of all types and do all that sort of stuff. So there's a process there. Most people don't understand it anyway, but I won't go into the detail. The supply clusters, which is the company that I work for uh, now, so they work in procurement and supply chain and logistics and purchasing and stuff like that. So totally different. And it's not in construction. It's, it's in areas outside of uh, construction, including instruction. Um, I wasn't... I wasn't sitting around wondering what was going to happen, but I certainly didn't intend to get into procurement. I know more about waste and pens and paper and power and stuff than I probably ever should as an architect. But the, the reason I got invited was because I knew the guy who had purchased the company uh, five years ago. And I trusted him. I already knew him. I liked him. Um, when he bought the company, um, I thought that's a great business model. If you can help a business reduce their costs, Great. I know business people. I know people in executive positions who want to reduce their operating costs so they can make more money. That's basically it. 
why don't I connect them to, to supply clusters? And so I was referring people in the right position with on-point introductions um, and advocacy and doing great. And then Mike, who, who was one of the CEOs, the joint, one of the joint CEOs, he said, well, why don't we pay you for it? And I said, sure, no problem, <laughs> whatever. You know, I was going to do it anyway. And I think it was a matter of the, you know, a confirmation of the integrity um, from the leadership and the, the organisation that they had offered. But I had a network already in place where it was relevant to have that conversation. Like I, I've been building a network, a strong, solid relational network based on some ideas around the go-giver book um, for years, like for years and years and years, and, and most people kind of do it. They, I, but I always did it preemptively before I needed to do architecture for people. So I was just adding a lot of value, and that was just one way to add value, and I just get paid for that value that I was already going to get done. So for me, it wasn't it wasn't an accident that I built a network that was already entrenched in that relationship with me. It was an accident that it happened to be in procurement, but it was no different to doing something different in life. Um, and if you've got a, a very strong, diverse network, you can do anything because networks are based on opportunity and people. And, and the more people, the more opportunities, and the more opportunities, the more people you need. So by nature of having a bigger network and focusing on building a network, for a purpose has done me very well, done me very well. Yeah. And it offers a lot of security as well. A hell of a lot of security. Yeah. And, and then, and then benefits, like you were saying already, you know, you, you have been more in control of your timetable and your schedule and like you have been yeah. working from home already for a uh, close yeah. to a decade now. So that's, that's really good to hear. Um, the other thing I was going to ask was, uh, with regards to any of the industries that you're connected to, um, say the architecture or um, any of the auxiliary uh, connections that you have uh, around uh, supply clusters, has there um, been some good examples that you've seen where um, companies or businesses um, they've been able to pivot? So, in terms, you know, something that maybe was either bricks or mortar or was only face to face. Um, they've actually done very well, very quickly, or they're on the path to like pivoting really well. Um, and, yeah. and, um, using this time, I guess, to really become more consumer centric, not that they weren't before, but I think, you know, what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, a really good example of that was the gym that I was going to, ironically mm -hmm. enough. Um, I think they were the kind of at the forefront of everything shutting down and the gym, uh, Ritual HQ, R-I-T-U-A-L HQ. They, um, they had gyms, they got two gyms, they're very small, um, great community based, and they realized it was coming. And they had to pivot really quickly to digital because they literally had to close. There was no choice. Um, so a week before the official word came down, they had started online classes, were really testing out how it would work. They've been adapting and growing and they're doing really well, um, you know, comparatively or, or to other gyms. But they they now have great programs online i'm loving it um but also they're getting a lot of interest from interstate some international stuff which they'd never expected and it wasn't just the the average fitness program online like they they really intended to be connected to people and i think that did them really well and they've had a really good support network that had always supported them so they already had the network in place they just changed platforms essentially from a real one to a digital one interesting and 
I think that that preemptive building of relationships and genuinely being interested in their members and you know their clients has meant that people have supported them, even in little ways like promoting them on social media, have done them really well. And I think that's where um, most people, if they've already done that, if rather than just treating them as once-off clients churn and burn, if they've actually genuinely invested in clients, then it's likely that they will hang around. I mean, the, the logistics of having enough cash flow to last the distance, that's different. But if you've invested in clients and your team, um, if you've got staff, that's going to serve you the best. And I think that's a paradigm that most companies uh, are going to find that they haven't been paying attention to. Yeah, 100%. Uh, especially for gyms, like, which is predominant, well, traditionally, I guess you could say, a very, okay, we're in the same room, we're face-to-face, this is kind of our business model, but it's good to hear that there's been some very proactive uh, businesses, yeah. in, particularly in the health industry, that have um, benefited from that or at least pivoted in a positive manner. So, um, yeah. No, that's really cool. Um, another question. Uh, what was your – changing gears a little bit now. Uh, <laughs> what was your first dream job when you were young? My first dream job? So mine, um, as an example, mine was being a rugby superstar that – did it uh, work out, which I'm okay with now? <laughs> was that close yet? It was the KFC that threw you. Oh, man. That's my weakness. That's it. <laughs> uh, favorite, best dream job. Um, I have been very fortunate that architecture was always on my radar. Um, right from the start of high school, so grade eight, uh, back, back in the day. Um, so I've always wanted to be an architect. Not, not really knowing what that was back in grade eight. Um, and still do it and still love it. And I am one of the very few from lots and lots of conversations. I am one of the few and I know it that was able to do that. And for me, that's always been a, a bonus. That's why I still do it. And I don't have to because it, it really just makes me have a great day. I mean, I was talking to someone earlier today just about that and, you know, couldn't shut up. So for me, the dream job was to design. Now, architecture is very broad and it does a lot of stuff. But I like all of it because I know that some of the stuff I don't like contributes to the stuff I do like. Um, and I still love it because I realised that the work and the, even the bits I don't like are part of a process to get to the bits that I do like. Mm. And I've been very, very fortunate, um, I think, to meet people who have enabled me to do other things like supply clusters so that I can actually do architecture the way that I want to do it. Because I've always felt that the, the adage of doing something you love and never working a day in your life is absolute garbage. Because if you have to do anything that you love for an obligation for, for a longer period of time, it just wears you out. I mean, life is that way. So if you try to make money out of podcasts, eventually you'll get bored of it. Not saying that you're going to get bored of it, you're going to love it. Um, but if you, if you do something you love for an obligation because you have to pay the bills, you know, sometimes you have to make sacrifices and that's going to put an edge to it, yeah. um, which is why I do other things. You yeah. know, it's, uh, I've been, people have said, you know, you're going to forget architecture and do that. And I said, I'm doing everything else because I love designing buildings for people. Um, it just, it just makes me happy. And if it makes me happy, then I'm going to continue to do it. And if I don't, then so be it. But uh, yeah. So my dream job was always architecture. Weirdly enough, you know, so 20 years professionally, but certainly a lot longer engaged with the idea of design and building and that sort of stuff for a long, long time. I love that. That's, um, 
yeah, there's, I think there's something to be said about uh, finding something that truly makes like people as an individual um, joyful or, or happy. Um, and yep. like, I've been a bit of a believer around that too, around, um, you know, kind of being in a job for, for the sake of finance, which sometimes, you know, you have to, but uh, I like it how you embrace that from an on. And um, I guess one of the questions, I hope it's not too much of a curveball. Was there a point in time where you realized that, oh, I actually love architecture um, and potentially either in a job or a particular um, company, it got to a point where if I don't actually pivot from what I'm doing, and it, like it might frustrate me in terms of oh, okay, I've got to um, look 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 for something else to um, maybe bring in the finances so I can um, not get frustrated at what I'm doing in my job. Um, yeah, and allow yeah, me to follow the passion, I guess, which is architecture. Yeah, absolutely. I um I did a bit of uh, time in Tasmania after I'd registered professionally, so six years at uni, one year professional training. And then I went down to Tasmania for uh, two, three years. And I came back to Brisbane and was working with a guy, lovely guy, was working under his house. It was just a little office. And he made some decisions financially that meant that he had to put his family home up for auction and not not particularly by choice. Um, And I remember going to the auction as a bit of support. And I walked past his wife and she was in tears after it sold, like just tears. And as I was walking away, I remembered, you know, vividly thinking that is never, ever going to happen to me. I just, I just don't want to be in a position where I'm relying on this profession um, as an, as an income because it's so unreliable. Like right now, architecture, nobody's got time for architecture. We're a luxury and I never wanted to be in that position Ever. And I was told when I was a student and I started that every eight years we'll go into, into a downturn and architecture is the first one to go. The GFC killed our industry. We lost a lot of people to different professions because there's no money. Um, I got retrenched. So I've seen that profession just go up and down and up and down. And I just I was lucky enough that I found people who I could connect to who were smarter than me in business. And they opened doors for me and provided some insights and education and mentoring and, you know, all manner of different thinking to enable me to think, well, if I don't have to rely on money to, to do it, then maybe I need to do two things or three things or just a different type of thing um, to enable that to happen. So I, I distinctly remember the auction and the, the poor woman weeping wow. about it. And they're doing okay now, but oh, I, just, I, I just didn't want to not be in control of that. And you can't be in control of everything, but if you've got more legs to stand on, then you're more likely to have some security. Like I've been in large jobs, large firms. Um, the GFC was pretty intense. I walked into the, I was asked to come into the office of the boss. I was a middle management senior associate. Like I walked into the office full well knowing what was coming and me and 29 other people got lost in Brisbane from a national firm in one day. Just and and they you know they lost more over time, but that sort of stuff just I, I'm I've seen it over and over again just personally, 
and it just made sense to do more than just one thing. And it, and it surprises me that more and more people don't do more and more stuff uh, outside of their gigs. I mean, having a gig outside of your gig or a side hustle or whatever you want to call it, I, I don't think it's an option now. You really just have to have stuff going on. You have to have big networks to be able to feed those options. Yeah. So, yeah, for me, it was just, it was, I didn't want to suffer through that because I really love what I do. So I just had to find a different way. That was all. Interesting. I hope that answers the question. It was a bit of a curveball. But yeah. It. No, it, it did, mate. Thanks for uh, sharing that too, because um, I think that provides a lot of insights into um, you know, situations that people are going through right now. Um, yeah. Albeit a different circumstance completely, but you could say there's very similar parallels that you could draw um, between those examples. So um, I think... Yeah. That it's, it's very informative and I mean, without being insensitive, you could say that it, it's kind of just, oh, yep, this was kind of expected in terms of um, finance, right? And so for some people like yep. yourself, it's kind of not surprising. I mean, obviously, we want to be sensitive to people's situations, yeah. but the reality is, I mean, you're, you're kind of already prepared regardless. It could have been anything else, right? Yep. Um, so yep. I think, no. A prime example, the GFC, it's the same thing. Nobody controls the stock market. Nobody controls controls real estate. Nobody controls business. The illusion is that people are safe, secure in their government jobs or their this or that, but they're not. So I'm hoping that people will survive, but will also learn from it. I'm doing what I can to connect where I can, you know, but I'm, I'm also keen to work with people like you who, who Understand that there are options. You need to take options. You need to look at everything. You don't have to do everything, but it's just be aware, be more educated about how you're going to deal with stuff and be passionate about it. I mean, that's the other thing. That's, I think, the reason why we've been hanging out for so long. You're passionate about stuff like snowboarding and crazy random stuff. And, and uh, you know, I don't snowboard. I barely, I barely stand up on some days, but, you know, that sort of passion, I'm keen to hang around with people who are passionate about what they're doing, who genuinely want to get, invest in, in other people and assist them. You know, that for me just means that you're going to have solutions. Mm. So. No, I've, I've enjoyed our friendship as well, Matt. So I appreciate those kind words. Um, yeah, me too. So Leah, th thanks for taking the time out too to chat today. Um, I've enjoyed uh, the conversation and had, even though I've, I've known you for a while, I've also received some further insights into your journey and stuff. And, I guess just as some closing remarks or departing comments, um, is anyone who's watching um, either from my network or your network um, watching this video who could um, help you in this time, either from a business perspective, professional perspective or anything like that? Yeah. Um, well, I'm always looking for businesses who are proactive in, in terms of running better and reducing their costs. Um, I work with uh, a great company, it's very partnership driven, which very much aligns with me personally. So, you know, I'm always looking for great businesses, um, big or small, uh, that really want to, you know, make it work in the next couple of weeks. Um, the sooner the better is, is my feeling from the market. If people are ahead of the curve, then, then they're going to do well. Um, I'm always looking for great clients for architecture. Um, shameless plug, but I love it. Um, and I'll do everything from bathrooms to big houses because I love it. So, you know, I'll talk to someone just because I can talk about it. That, <laughs> they're the two main things for me at the moment. 
you know, and they'll always be for the next foreseeable future. Um, but that's that's where it works uh, for me. Um, but yeah, they're kind of the, on the radar at the moment. But passionate people, always happy to connect to people you know, mate. That's good to know, and I appreciate that. I'll include all the relevant um, links. Obviously, connect directly with you, or either uh, connect directly with me as well. And I'll pass them on. But yeah, for sure. um, thanks so much, mate. I appreciate uh, sure. catching up. And uh, yeah, thanks for time, man. We'll uh, chat again soon. Absolutely, absolutely, always. Thank you. Thanks, Mike. Yeah. See you.